and we're live. Hi. Good, after good afternoon. I almost said good morning. It's not morning anymore. Um, yeah, this is T-SQL Code Sins, and we'll talk about what that means in just a minute. I am, I'm Jen McCown. I'm one half of the dynamic duo that is MidnightDBA.com. Just in case you haven't heard of us, and I know you all have, uh, my husband and I do uh, SQL Server training videos, SQL Server, Windows, PowerShell, and whatever we feel like it uh, for our website. It's all free. It's all, right now it's ad-free, but, you know, if you want to put an ad on our site and pay us, let me know. Um, we do a couple different podcasts. I have my audio-only blogcast, and then we've got uh, something that's really kind of catching on is our DBAs at Midnight web show where we just, yeah, would you grab the other door too if you can? or somebody, where we sit around and talk about, again, whatever we feel like. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, a couple weeks back, we got together with a couple of the guys in uh, Seattle and had a big talk about the round of plagiarism that's been going through the online SQL community and had a nice big vent at uh, SQL Tech 2's expense. So that's on the website, and that was fun. Okay, so that's all about me. Okay, so why code sins? What does it mean? <laughs> that's actually that's actually from a, a, a Far Side cartoon, Forever Go, and it was actually a picture of God at his computer and then about to push the smite button, and I really like that. Uh, so I, I just made my own because I figured, well, it's probably copyright, but um, copyright. Uh, so yeah, why code sends? Code sends because we all do things that are convenient or that you know we just kind of overlook something. Um, everybody commits code sins and you know just regular mistakes you know we can kind of deal with but the really egregious things that that bother us and that um, that make our life harder it's a good idea to every once in a while kind of look at them and see okay what is it that I'm doing wrong so codes in one oh actually before we get into it uh, I was gonna actually open it up to you guys when you, just from just from the title any ideas on what might qualify as a code sin? What, what might qualify with you as a code sin? Yes, in the back, sir. Cursors. Cursors. Just all by itself like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Here, pass, pass him a pen. Would Anyone? There you go. Well, you held your hands up kind of. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to be throwing things at you throughout the day to keep you awake, so just so you know. Yes, sir. Hard coding values, for example, like current date equals 4.1-2010. If this, do this. Yeah, that, that, that might be pretty cool. Anyone else have something that just drives you up the wall? The whole reason that, was that a hand raise or was that a? No, I was going to throw out unusually large transactions. Unusually large transactions. I like that too. I don't think I've got that in here specifically, but it probably falls under one of the umbrellas. Implicit conversions. Yeah, I think I like that. I, I, I can see how that can make your life a living hell. So, uh, yeah, one of the things I was going to say, one of the reasons that I'm, um, some of the reasons I'm qualified to speak on code sins is one, I've been in a lot of companies. I do some contracting. And, you know, when you come into a new shop and you look around, you usually find something really impressively awful that you want to tell all your DBA friends. You're nodding, sir. Um, yeah, that you're really impressively awful. That's something that qualifies as a code sin. Uh, the second big reason is that I've committed a lot of these sins years ago. And uh, <laughs> not now, of course. And so I'm uniquely qualified because I've done it, and also because these are things that really, really, by definition, make me mad. So it's a code sin because I say so, which is why I'm qualified. How's that for circular logic, right? All right, so coding ugly. 
Um, you know what? I opened up the wrong slide deck on here, which is why I can't follow my notes up here. But coding ugly refers to a couple of different things, and we'll jump into that. Um, number one is formatting. <laughs> Anybody open up a lovely little uh, code like this before? Or I had someone point out before, it was just one big one, long line of text. Mm -hmm. I, I've had that, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> forgive me for a moment while I pull up the correct set of notes, will you please? Um, there we go. See, this is my only my second time publicly speaking. I make videos, but I have time there to back up and edit out pauses and ums and things like that. Not so much here, I found out. If you tell everybody pause, reverse, no one pays any attention. It's really a shame. Eh, there we go. We got it. Okay, so, yeah, that will actually run. If Let's go ahead and take a look at that. I had to purposefully do that horrible thing to a piece of code in, for my demo. And you hit F5, that'll run. You can do that. So that's, you know, people don't bother with formatting. Uh, let's see. Oh, we passed that. Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness <laughs> writing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I swear we'll get back on track in, like, 10 seconds, I know, I know. Okay, so code in general, uh, written text in English, and I say in English because other languages may do something weird. We break it up into sections with white space. We have words, we have, you know, with space on either side, par sections, paragraphs, um, chapters, because we don't absorb knowledge a chunk at a time. We absorb it a word, a concept, you know, uh, an overall theme at a time. So it's the same thing with written text as it, uh, in, in a book as it is with written text in, in your T-SQL code. You really need to, oh, that's the wrong thing, really need to break up your code and make it readable. Now, a couple of the notes on that. If you don't want to go and spend tons of time formatting your own code, doing all that kind of thing, there are code formatters that will do it for you, at more or less at the touch of a button. And this is word wrap, so it's not quite as pretty. I use SQL Prompt, and I adore it. Um, that's all I have to say about that. It's awesome. We had this big discussion last time I spoke uh, about the different different formatting things you can have. But uh, but yeah, it's way easier to understand understand the code that's broken up properly. So. We'll jump on to the next part of coding ugly coding without any kind of documentation. So I pose the question to you, why does doing documentation suck so much? Yes? Just by definition, it's going to be out of sync. It's going to be out of sync, absolutely. Well, yeah. It's like doing the work twice. It's doing the work twice. You have to, it, you have to keep it up, and you have to go back after the fact, potentially. Um, any, anyone else here hate document, doing documentation? You got a couple hands, the rest of you are. are you can't read my code. Just don't have time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I've been and I've been told that before. Everything you need to know is in the code. What do you What do you want documentation for? Just look at the code. That's obvious, right? If it's easy to read, why do they call it code? I'm repeating for the microphone. I'm recording my my presentation. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we actually said some of these things here. Uh, it's a pain to create. It's a pain to maintain. Um, one I, I didn't get from you guys, I'm surprised, is I'm afraid I'll document myself out of a job. And that's actually a common concern. My answer to that is a company is going to keep you or fire you regardless of what you document. And I've, I've found this to be the case. They don't, in the end, they don't care about documentation. Um, if they didn't care enough about it to make you do it in the first place, they certainly don't care enough about it to have it for the next guy. 
this just my theory and my uh, um, my experience. Thank you. I need someone to give me words occasionally as my brain goes off in the left field. Um, so we've already talked about how that's a book. Okay, so how do we solve most of these problems? <coughs> Document it in the code. Now, while I understand that that doesn't really apply for tables necessarily, and you do have to find an external solution like, like a wiki, so much of the business logic is in your stored procedures, in your functions. So much of that is in there, and you're already in the code and creating it and modifying it. Um, so, let's see. Oh, that's the wrong slide. Uh, so let's take a look at a couple of examples, and we will get off of, of um, uh, documentation here in a little bit. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's the pretty formatted procedure. So here we've got some decent code. Now, a pane to create, a pane to maintain, absolutely. Not if you get in the habit of writing it as you go along, as you're coding your procs. When you modify your procs, if you notice you've got a note in there on, on why you did something a certain way, like down here, then modify that comment, add to it. Um, it's, it's really not that difficult if, like an exercise regimen, instead of making yourself get up and go to the gym or exercising all at the end of the year, which would be the equivalent of after I'm done with this project, I'll go back and document it then, yeah. document it while you're doing it. I, out of curiosity, hands up, how many people actually, actually do that, document after the end of a project? Go back and do it. One, is it because your boss makes you do it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, because nobody wants to do it. And even if, I did have a couple of people before who said, oh, no, I do it, do it for my own choosing. You're not going to remember the reasons why you did every little thing the way you did. Well, I had to put this particular exception in here because there was a transition period on the business side thing and the thing. You're not going to remember that six months later at the end of the project or two weeks later. I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Um, maybe that's just me. Okay, so back to fun stuff. Oh, we were going to talk about how awesome comments are. Um, we talked a little bit about how text is like a book. Books are, especially tech books, are really awesome at navigation. They've got, they've got page numbers, they've got indexes, they've got table of contents, all that kind of thing. You can do that in your code. As you go through, you make uh, section headers with little explanations. Throw that into a table of contents. How happy would you be if instead of opening up a piece of code and seeing something like this, which is barren of any kind of explanation, you go in and see, oh, look at that. Not only do I know the standard who wrote it and when, uh, I know what kind of copyright it has. Does anyone copyright their code? Even under Creative Commons? Description, discussion, links to external resources, like say, for example, your blog, where you explain the entire thing in a demo. That's another reason to start blogging, right? Um, this would be delightful. Okay, we'll get off documentation, but uh, my thing is if you're annoyed, if you get to the point where you're really annoyed with all the documentation talk, that's good because you'll remember it when you're writing a procedure. Oh, that girl document. Oh, I'll go ahead and put in a table of contents here. So, let's see. This is great. I, I do have to, to pimp my website one more time. Sean has this absolutely excellent video on documenting SIS packages. I, it, it's a little bit weird to say you'll never look at documenting SIS packages the same again, but he, he makes it easy and he makes it make sense and the whole thing is right there. Um, real quick, extra added benefits to documenting your code uh, inside the code. Whether you're in a shop that actually uh, has no documentation requirements or whether they're on the we require way too much, this is an excellent way when you're done and you have to do your documentation and hand it over, you just pull it out of the code and largely slap it in there. Work done, boss impressed, on we go. All right. 
Coding dumb. Oh, real quick before, oh, I love that. <laughs> real quick, any, any, any comments real quick? And if you have uh, really egregious documentation stories, you might want to save it for the end because that's when we're going to give away a couple of our free books. I have my own swag, so in addition to the drawing. Uh, but any comments or questions real quick on the most interesting topic in the world? That's a good question. Does, does anybody here use extended properties to document your database? I tried, it, I tried it once and nobody looked at it. Nobody looked at it. That's the big problem with extended properties is that they're so way in the back and, you know, e even if you use them and then you extract the information, it's, it's something that you have to really do extra. Um, coding your comments as, uh, coding your comments, commenting your code, either way really, as a method of documentation, like I said, isn't perfect because it doesn't encompass all objects, you know? People don't generally look at the code for a table, so even if you put a big explanation in there, you know, it's not, it's not going to be something people look at. Um, but, uh, but there are other solutions. My favorite, really, to, to encourage people to contribute to documentation is setting up an internal wiki and saying, okay, you know, and, and the way we talked about this earlier, getting people to use it and actually update it is every time you say anything, oh, I coded this new module, good, did you put it in the wiki? You know, anytime, anytime this happens, good, did you put it in the wiki? You know, oh, I, I documented that, that's in the wiki. Don't ask me the question, go read the wiki. All right, coding dumb. You don't have to know everything about SQL. Nobody does. Are you laughing at the picture again? I like it too. Um, but ignorance of the law is no excuse in the end. So the first part of coding dumb is not fully understanding the data model. And on the one hand, it seems like the kind of thing that doesn't really need to be said out loud. But on the other hand, it apparently does. Uh, ask me how I know. It's bad because data will be wrong. You're going to be using the wrong data because you don't know how it's used within the database because the guy who wrote the database didn't tell you. Um, your queries are going to be slow because you're not going to find the best and straightest path between, uh, say, two objects to get the right result set. Why doing it right is good. It's a lot easier to tune and optimize queries when you really understand the database as a whole. And, and this is kind of an offshoot of the documentation thing. That's a really big thing of mine because I've come into a lot of new shops with no documentation. Um, but, but you've got to reduce your misunderstandings as much as possible, reduce impact of, you know, I coded this module, this guy coded a module, oh, and now they break each other. So, uh, oh, that's right. I have an absolutely fabulous demo for this one. I really like it. Um, I have been in a couple of shops. Now, everyone understands, uh, you know, almost everyone understands foreign key relationships and how in this table something may be named, you know, boss ID, and it refers to something over here, ID. That's easy enough to, to get while looking at the database if you see that if they actually have constraints implemented, right? Um, but something like this, wherein they had a table. Let's see. That's the one. I came into a shop, and this is for real, uh, and they had a table called Mox Associate that was part of their nightly load procedure where they had, they pulled in a bunch of information from a DB2 database. Uh, they crunched a bunch of numbers and this was a processing table. So for every associate, it did this massive nested loop called a thousand procs per associate, eight hour long process. And I had to write a procedure or, or modify a procedure that affected this Mox Associate table right here. 
And I was doing my best to go, okay, this is based off of the is vectored, but it's not working right. And I went back to the architect and I said, this is how I understand this is supposed to work. And he's, we sat down for like an hour, hour and a half trying to figure it out. And he finally said, oh, I remember, that's right. Um, that in the process at step 13 is vectored means that needs to spur off the the vector process but at step 20 it means that this particular associate is vectored he's part of the vector group and i said so that column means different things at different points in the process he said yes I said alrighty then um <laughs> part of part of the advantage of you know actually understanding the database getting a thorough understanding is showing up bad design and hopefully being able to address that. So um, if you have, again, really bad design stories, please save them. Save them to the end. We will talk. We will have a good time. All right. Hang on. Come back. There we go. That's not what I meant to do. We'll flip ahead, shall we? All right. We weren't coding for performance. <laughs> you laugh. You're my people. I like that. Um, this, again, was an in real, li in real life, you know, somebody approached me and, and we had a discussion. And it was uh, this project that they, they assigned me to, the bosses assigned me to, because it was having horrible, horrible problems with performance. It was slow. We were getting close to the go-live date and it was just unworkable. So I said, okay, and went to talk to the, the data architect that was on the project originally. I said, hey, uh, Steve, uh, we found these, these, I found these odd things in the database. I wanted to ask you about it. You know, why did you do this? And he gave me an answer. And okay, good. Why did you do this? And with each successive question, he got, he stood up a little taller and got a little bit more angry. And finally, after about the 10th question, he got, put his hands on his hips. He says, well, we weren't coding for performance. Oh, that's, that's a conversation ender, as it turns out. That's, that's not something you can talk about after. If you're not coding for performance, that's exactly what you're going to get you're going to get something that runs very, very slow. It's one thing to, to look at a query and optimize it fully and spend an hour on it and make sure that it's ideal and it's got a covered index and all that kind of... I know that we can't do that for every single query, every single process. But I'm going to say it's, an immortal, it's a mortal coding sin to, to code without even considering performance. Um, there are a good many things that you can do. Just, just off the cuff, if you don't know thing one about performance, while you start learning a little bit along the way, um, here's some really, you know, I don't want to say basic, here's some really essential things. Cursors, as you said, that's absolutely the number one. Um, query hints, uh, does everyone know what a query hint is? If you don't, good for you. <laughs> it basically tells the, the SQL engine, don't do things the way you think are best, do, do what I say is best. While that can occasionally, one time out of a thousand, be to your advantage, most of the time it's not only applicable, but people tend to overuse it, much like giving a kid a sugar bowl with their cereal. You know, they're not going to put on a spoon, they're going to, you know, I like cursors and query hints. So, um, GUIDs, uh, is anyone making... I won't say, is anyone making use of? Because then we'd be like, ha-ha. Um, does anyone have the kind of aversion to, to unique identifiers, the overuse of unique identifiers? Are you familiar with unique, unique identifiers? I've seen it. You've seen it. Do you have, you have a horror story for us at the end of the show? Oh, that's a shame. I was on a project a while back that had over 1,300 tables and every single one had a 
clustered primary key GUID. Their fragmentation was across the board 100%. And that's bad. Um, we can talk more about, GUID, about GUIDs later if you're not familiar with it. But you know, GUIDs themselves have their place, absolutely. But they tend to get overused. Um, and any of these that, that you guys actually want to talk about in depth, or, or would you like to just kind of go, nah, what's next? Anybody interested in overusing indexes? Underusing? Everyone's kind of tired? Yes, sir. The other thing about the, the GUIDs at all cluster around is, is what they, the impact they have on the impact they have, yes, they're very large. That's, that's part of the reason not to use them. 16 bytes. Uh, I always say, try to say a bit when I mean bytes. 16 byte identifiers as opposed to your nice, safe four byte int. And that's, that's, that's multiplied because it's referenced, it's held in your non-clustered indexes. So if you have five non-clustered indexes, each one of those has four times the amount of data that it, it might have if you use to say an int identity. And the, the yes? Say they have their well, the GUIDs themselves are really, really cool in concept because they're unique across the universe, you know, which I know that there are some articles about exceptions to that, but right now we're going to go with the premise that they are unique across the universe. That is really, really, really cool. And I could imagine potentially some really, you know, secure sensitive kind of, you know, none of these can possibly ever be duplicated. But if you have to use a GUID, then you cannot cluster it. That's the big rule. And, and you know, I have, I have yet to run across a situation where you have to have a GUID. I, I, I really have. I agree with you on that. In theory, I could see it. Yes, sir? Back in 2000, uh, for merge replication, you needed to have the row GUID all the way that you were replicating. Had to have a row GUID? I didn't actually do a lot of uh, replicating on 2000, so I'll have to take your word for it. But well, that's the same case in 2005. But you don't have to cluster on it, do you? No, there's no good. Yeah, there's no cluster on it. Yeah. It's just a index And I know Kim Tripp has recently written uh, a blog about um, using new sequential ID as opposed to, to um, new ID. And new sequential ID will give you uh, a GUID, will generate a GUID that is greater than any other GUID in your database. So that kind of solves the, the clustering problem. It doesn't solve the size problem, but if you've got a situation like mine where you've got a legacy database, 1,300 tables, it may be the option that you have, but do your best to get, the get it off the clustered index. Um, all right. That was fun. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, about over databases, I yeah. understand how it will affect insert, update, uh, delete statements. Um, how will it affect uh, the optimizer just wanting select statements when a table is over-indexed? <sighs> I don't know that it does. Um, the, the whole point is that you're, you're, you're making your indexes and, up, and uh, updates work harder because they have to go out and change everything. If you've got a, a table with 10 non-clustered indexes on it, it's got to go out and update all of those 10. Selecting doesn't change anything. So, you know. Yeah, you give the optimizer more choices, but it's a matter of balance between you know, how, how much do I want to make my optimizer work as opposed to how many reads and writes. That's why I said um, don't under-index your, your, your largely read databases, your OLAP, your reporting databases. You're not doing a whole lot of your, or you're just doing um, bulk loads, for example. Then, yeah, absolutely, index that puppy until you run out of space. Yes, sir? One of the things I've inherited a uh, six-digit 
Yeah. Yep. I'm facing that r recently. That's that's yeah, letting your transaction logs and understand that my list uh, my yeah, no, this is, th these are the things that bother me the most in recent history for one reason or another. You will absolutely come up with your own list, and I'd be delighted if you sent those to me to, to build up future blogs and presentations. So send me your horror stories. All right. So, yeah, if you don't, if you're not familiar with performance tuning, that's fine. Learn a little bit. You know, get familiar with a few things, maybe pick up a book, pick up a couple of blogs. You know, there's no reason to say, well, I can't do it because I'm not an expert. No. Just learn a little bit, and then learn a little bit more, and so forth. Uh, and understanding SQL Server. Now, it's kind of a spin-off from understanding your data model, but then again, it's kind of not. You need a basic and growing understanding of SQL. And you guys are already ahead of the game because you're here at SQL Saturday, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir. Um, I'm sorry. I, I typed something confusing at myself. That's that's very strange. I shall have to, I shall have to correct myself later. Um, SQL databases, rather, they're kind of a black hole. Um, you know, people put things in, data comes out. You know, end of story. Our jobs as DBAs, some of you may be may be developers, but it looks simple. You know, what you just put data in, you get it out again. What's the big deal? But there's so much that goes behind the goes on behind the scenes, because a database really is different from an applica application. With an application, you're asking the computer to do one or even several relatively small tasks at a time. You know, get me this, go do this mathematical operation, display this web page, and so forth. And I'm not at all trying to undercut what developers do. It's, it's not something that I could do today. But with a database, it's just a different mindset. What you're doing is asking the SQL engine to sort through potentially millions of rows of data to deliver back unto you a certain subset of it. So understanding the best way, enabling SQL uh, to, to find the best way to, and the most efficient way to bring that, that data, is something that we really need to get to know, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of my little mini speech on, uh, on developer DBA relations. Don't fight, let's get along. Okay, so the basic life cycle of a query. It's really interesting how the query gets passed in and then it's parsed and then this part is passed to the cache and this part does this. And uh, so Let's see, I, I hate calling it this, but uh, it's not just Brent Ozar's book, but the book written by recently Brent Ozar and several different people. They're giving away a few copies uh, later on. Uh, SQL Server Troubleshooting and Internals has an excellent bit in the first chapter describing exactly that, the life cycle of a query and how it's broken down. Um, and so forth. Uh, how a query is parsed. Um, it's, I think, one of it's the Itzik Ben Itzik Ben Gan's book on uh, T SQL Basics that talks about how. And this was kind of a re revelation to me when I read it. How this part of the select statement is parsed first, and this part is next, and that part's next. It's not done top down. It's actually the from clause is evaluated first, and the and the joins and so forth. And the order by is last, which is why you can use aliases only in the order by. But having that understanding to work with for your T SQL code, it will really get you very far, make it a lot easier to come up with decent solutions. So, 
Don't go get data that you already have. Now select star falls under this category because you very rarely need every column from a database. But why is this bad? Does anyone want to hazard a guess? Is it, can everyone see it? Okay. We're getting data from table one, then we're getting from table two, and then we're getting different data from table one, right? But we're getting different data from table one using the same where clause. So instead of assigning X and Z at the same time, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to this particular table twice. This is exactly like going to the store to get eggs, picking up your dry cleaning, and then going to the store to get milk. You're doing twice the amount of effort. Um, I have, I'll go ahead and I was going to skip over this, but I have a small demo. That's fun. Let's see. Under template, cursors are bad, MK. I already did that one. Getting data you already have. So we're going to set statistics on, and we're going to get a couple of things from the database. First is our double hit that we've marked very clearly. And uh, let's see. Room building and room name, building ID is and room name. So we've got the same where clauses to get two different pieces of data, just like we did there. And then our single statement to do the exact same thing. We run it. It works. Fabulous. Let's take a look at our I.O. statistics. And it's pretty easy to prove. And, you know, if you need this for your developer friends, look, it went out and it hit that table twice in cache, sure. But it did it twice as opposed to our other one that did it once. Save your logical reads. I know, very simple, very easy, but we like simple and easy. Coding lazy. Now, we kind of strive as DBAs to be lazy and as d database developers to be lazy in a good way, in ways that save us trouble. I would rather go through an hour of effort now to save myself 40 hours of effort this month than just do an hour every single time the issue comes up. But there are bad ways to be lazy as well. The code crutch. No tool is all purpose. We tend to fall in love with some aspect of SQL. Oh, XML, it's so cool because you can just store anything and I'll store it in the database and I'll parse it out. And XML is cool, absolutely. But you can't use it for everything because there's a performance hit. You know, storing data in, take, tearing it apart, uh, taking it out again. Um, understand a, a tool's proper limitations and proper uses. Um, GUIDs are, are another example. Like I said, generally speaking, you don't really need GUIDs especially, but I could see the proper place for them. Another big example is nested views. And I had this discussion uh, with the same guy, by the way, that told me that we're not code coding for performance. Um, nested views, you understand. A view selects from a table or more than one table, and that's great. And a nested view, this view selects from this view and maybe another and maybe a base table. I will say that on its face, there isn't anything wrong with that. You don't get an instant performance loss with nested views. You don't. I've tested it. The problem comes in when you have, especially when you have multiple nested views. It's another one of those things that people like to use and reuse and overuse and overuse, where uh, not only have I experienced this, but this is a story I got at the last time we gave this talk, I gave this talk, is uh, an eight level deep nested view structure across the entire database, wherein at some levels they were actually referring back to the base tables that had already been referred, referred to in child, in child views. So you've got that double hit scenario going on 
many times over, and you've got a support nightmare. There is no way, no way to tune an in, uh, a, a query that goes on to it, uh, that pulls from a nested view. I've tried it. You just can't break it out that far. So it actually does really destroy your performance. All right. That's what I call a code crutch. Blind code reuse. Now, I didn't want to say code reuse because, again, we love reusing code. We love finding a solution and then going, okay, great, this works and I can put it over here too. The difficulty is when you get comfortable, a little too comfortable with it and say, okay, I'll slap that right over here and all is well and it works beautifully. It may well work beautifully, but you may have an extra join, an extra clause in there that you don't need that isn't applicable. Um, that one's kind of a kind of a quick hit sin. Look at your code. Uh, we are moving right along, aren't we? What kind of time do we have? Four oh five. When do we end? We're doing great. We're doing great. Y'all are still awake, right? Oh, you know what? Chocolate break. Somebody want to pass out chocolate? I nominate you too. And there's more. Yes, I bribe you. I'm sorry, there may not be enough for anyone. I encourage everyone to share. But I just, I know it's late. There you go. Okay. So if you can't read the little, the little text, it says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of how awesome I am. I really, I like this one because I found this after the one of, I saw of Obama standing in front of a flag and it said the same thing. I really like that one. So coding lonely, again, kind of doesn't apply to you guys, or maybe it does, portions of it does. Um, it basically means being a DBA. We are by nature problem solvers, and we solve problems. We want to we sit here, and we want to look at this until we figure it out. The problem is that our database is connected to a real world. It models a real world with real business rules that we aren't in charge of, you know? Um, so lonely at work. You code in a vacuum, you're very likely to miss business rule changes or to get business rules headed your way that you've never even heard of and it's production time. Okay, great. Um, I say interact with your team on purpose because it is something that you have to do. Thank you very much, helpers. And there's more if anyone wants to come up and grab some. We're very informal here. Um, oh, I should do my little thing. Compliments of Cozy Rock. Did I say that right? Yeah. Who is also sponsoring SQL Saturday Dallas, and you should come out and see us. Uh, but yeah, seek out your boss and, and not only make it known what you're doing, but make it known your accomplishments, you know. Uh, seek out your, your coworkers, even if you don't like them. Somebody asked that question, what if you don't like them? Well, <laughs> interact with them once a week and then go wash your hands. Um, or, or whatever you need to do to detox, right? Go blog about it, yes. <laughs> Steve at work said, no, let's change his name. Um, Steven at work said. Okay, so so another sub-sin, lost and confused. And, and this goes back to requirements. Um, it's another kind of a dirty word, sort of, because requirements, ugh. You know, who wants requirements? Who wants to go through the bother of that? Well, you know. Since you're trying to model a database or code for a database that is modeled on the real world business, you kind of need to talk to the people in charge of making those business rules. Getting requirements is something of an art form or you maybe you could call it kind of a, a training for a marathon because it can be, I'm, I'm mixing metaphors now, it can be like, like pulling teeth in a marathon. So, all right, all right, I gotta rewrite that. 
Um, but you, you kind of have to go to these people, find out who's in charge first off, because that can be difficult to discern sometimes, and say, okay, what do you need? And they tell you what you need, and you say, oh, okay, and you go away. Oh, no, 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 that's a bad idea. You, you, sit, you sit in the meeting and you say, what do you need? And they tell you and you say, ah, okay, so do you mean this needs to be like this? And there's, like I said, there's an art to talking in this sort of, it's half English and half database, right? You have to be able to say, all right, what do you need in relation to the database without speaking like a DBA because they don't understand that. Okay, well, how about this? Have you considered that there may be more than one person that has one of those? Oh, no, I hadn't. That's true. More than one person may have one of those. Okay, great. Um, and will that be had, will that be, um, provided by more than one vendor? No, no, that's just the one vendor. For all time? Oh, well, no, maybe in the future, they don't think the way a DBA does, so pull it out of them, you know, while you're running or something. Um, lonely code. This is just a big spiel. Code reviews. Somebody said recently, oh, yes, we do code reviews. I said, really? Real code reviews? As opposed to just, nah, looks good. He said, yeah. I said, oh, can I come work for you, please? Seriously. Um, we're all very proud of what we write, as well we should be, because we spend a lot of time coming up with the best way, the fastest way. But everybody makes mistakes, you know? If you go out and read some of the, the big time bloggers, you'll go and see comments in there. Oh, you made a mistake here. Oh, okay, I'll fix that. Purposefully put your code in front of other people. Demand that other people look at your code. Uh, and if it's somebody, if you're on, the only database on your team, which I've also run into, put it before a developer and sit down with them and say, okay, here's what I'm doing here and here's what I'm doing every so often they'll be able to say oh well we're doing this this way and so that that's not right oh okay then very very valuable no one to play with and that just refers to the SQL community which again you're already here so I'm preaching to the choir but just in case this is your first ever ever SQL Saturday or you had a horrible time and you're never coming back again um, then find something else that you like as well there are you you're laughing <laughs> find user groups find uh, webcasts find you know whatever you want to get into there's a great Twitter community uh, focused around SQL probably more than one um, all, all kinds of things there's code camps you can volunteer with pass uh, the big conferences it's good stuff so this is our, our resolution slide, our final, this is what we're taking away. So when you document, document like you're explaining it to the new guy. Because not only are you, because you'll get another guy on your team, you'll get somebody assigned to your project, but you're going to come back to what you wrote six, eight months later and have no idea what you were talking about. Explain it to your future self so your future self will look back and say, thank you, past self. I really, really appreciate that. Um, keep learning. I don't have to tell you guys that. That's the third time. You guys are awesome. You're here. Let's hear it for the crowd. Um, work with SQL, not against it. I love the few of you that started to clap. Thank you. Yay, me. I'm so cool. You are. Work with SQL, not against it. Um, SQL, especially, this is really targeted at the developers out there if you're there. You're .NET guys, you're C-sharp guys. Um, SQL is there to help you. It's not there to make you angry. Um, learn how to work with it, and it will, it will make you happy, and it will do things very quickly and so forth. Um, and follow good dev practices. So I am thinking we should open this up to story time, because I love stories, and I have free things. I have uh, an official Midnight DBA mug, and it's what I call the aggressive mug, because it says things like, oh, look, I found the problem. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> and
And, and this is my personal yeah. favorite, and I have a shirt that says this. I'd be wearing it if I weren't wearing a speaker shirt. Every time you shrink a database, Paul Randall tears off an angel's wings. <laughs> All-time favorite. Wish I could claim that, but it's not mine. All right, so, okay, who has horrendous stories? And if, if it was uh, something you did horribly wrong, that's okay. Just say Steve did it or whoever. Please, please, tell me your story. Just in, it, and actually, it was, it was kind of funny even at the time, and, and unfortunately, we were in front of a customer, and I didn't know how to not laugh. But we were doing this Yelp process, and it was, there was a, in the original database, in the source database, there was a yes-no field. There was a bit field. So it was, it was true or false. That's all we had to work with. Sure. And the uh, person who was giving us the requirement said, I want you to, I want you to convert the yes-nos and maybes. And I said, I, oh, we don't have any maybes. Well, you need to convert them if they're maybe. And I'm like. Convert them if they're maybe. Would you like that database in Mauve as well? I'll get right on that. It was impossible to explain to her that if they never captured them in the past, there weren't going to be any in the future. So the, the, the answer to maybes when we convert There are no maybes. The answer to that is I'm right on top of that, Rose. Yeah, no, we got you. Mm -hmm. you, had a, you had one as well, sir. Yes. Uh, my name's Andre, I'm a DBA. Hi, Andre. <laughs> and I'm a code center. I worked, I worked with the group, and luckily I killed it, but um, not all of it. it you killed your group? That kept going with it. But someone designed a database where the tables were called entity, role, action, which basically mm -hmm. noun, verb, adverb, adjective. Oh, my God. Uh, for... Um, in this case, it was, taking, it was tracking um, like smallpox vaccinations. Okay. To track the fact that you had a smallpox vaccination, took 55 table hits. No. When the Java programmers started testing it, two of them locked the database. Yeah. They could not scale. I've been there. I then put in my solution. It ran in 51 milliseconds. Excellent. Just one little table. You know. that's, a, that's a rock star moment when you get to go in and go bloop, and then it just it took, it, it the light comes out of it and goes, ah. It took almost two years to kill the database. I had to name it Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you miss in the back. What is your name? I know. Go ahead. I'm a database developer. Don't give her a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Okay. And luckily it was like a syntax error. Right. We should add that to the code sin list is, is being absolutely certain of what you're doing when you're opening a production. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, um, I was going to say a production thing. You remember back in the days before we had a log off button? You remember? On the computer, and you'd log into production, and then the window, you'd, you'd, you'd control alt delete to get out of there, and then you'd look at it very, very carefully to say, okay, I'm not shutting down the database. I'm logging off. I'm not shutting it down. Three times, every time I would do that. I'm not shutting down. I'm logging off. Okay, good. I've done that. You've done that. I've shut a server down. 
we've we've had some we've had some good horror stories in the past from uh, from the professionals. If you want to get on and see some of the interviews from past last year, uh, Itzik himself and Grant Fritchie uh, got on and, and told their horror stories. And yeah, I like hearing about that when famous people screw up because it makes me feel better. <laughs> so, um, okay, any other major? There's swag involved. There's three books. Any other major codes in Along stories? Uh-huh. We had some people, uh, some actually college interns, translating some Pascal code for us. Mm -hmm. and they, what could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> well, what we were doing was taking 20 to 30 minutes per system to do this operation. And we complained to one of our vendors that it was taking so long. We had like nine of these things to do, and it was taking a half hour each time. Right. And he goes, in their code they had come across this section they didn't understand and so they had put comments in the code that says we don't know what this does <laughs> so we're just going to comment it out that's an acceptable oh, solution and what it was doing was they were commenting out the part that only that was only supposed to process what changed and so, and so whenever we ran whenever we ran the code it was processing the entire instead system. of a diff you were doing a full that would go under understanding your code, absolutely, yes. So once he made that change, now we were down to five minutes versus Absolutely. Yeah, paying attention to the, the coding for performance thing, paying attention to indexing is something that I'm startled how many shops are like, oh, we've never, we've never even considered that before. And that, that's, again, a rock star situation where you get to come in and say, index, I have increased your productivity. Yes, sir. <laughs> Eight thousand jobs on one server. Eight thousand jobs on one server. Sure, because that's the simplest solution. To change the subject line of the email or the, the information in the email, rather than having a table and having one job or something, they decided to make a copy of the job for every customer. <laughs> so they have 5,000 table statements for 5,000 jobs that were really just email templates. That's outstanding. That is absolutely outstanding. All right. Okay, we got another one. Are you guys are you guys good with the story? This is sort of a vent, the venting portion of the show. Is this good? <laughs> we can go back to me talking, but you know I like this. Yeah. One of those stories where uh, it works fine when the system's small, but as the system grows, yeah. Really Everything runs fast in dev. Absolutely. Okay. So here it is. We have this table, and it's going to run a bunch of SQL queries, and it runs about 700 queries. They're, they're hard coding into the table and just execute them. But before it does it, between each call. It drops the indexes, runs the query, and rebuilds the index. It went from a three-hour job to a like a ten-minute job just by getting rid of the index drops. It really is extraordinary the lengths to which we'll go to make things as difficult as possible for the SQL engine, and then people wonder why 
the database runs slow. So, okay, well, good, excellent stories. I love it. Um, we've, we're actually finishing early, so, you know, if you guys want to hang out and talk and, and get, get more stories, that's great. But uh, let's get you, and then uh, we'll give prizes, and then we can finish up however you like. We had, a, we had the instant, instance of a, uh, uh, we're using this talk. Oh, that story ends there. Come get your, <laughs> come get your car. I give you a car. This talk. Nobody else wins. That's it. No, go ahead. This talk is a message spooler, and it's a message distributor. And uh, so a uh, bunch of adults uh, got together and thought, well, you know, we don't know everything that this is doing, and we can't tell because. You'd have to read the book. Yeah, well, and, uh, books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so we don't know what it's doing. So let's take this message board that's supposed to be working on a high-speed system and make it right in a relational database. And let's cross, you know, let's, let's structure this thing in such a way that we can tell every step of the way what every message is doing. And they and it took them, I don't know, about a year and a half. And as soon as you got nine records in there, it just doesn't work very well. I can see but that. But it seemed like a good idea at the time. That's kind of the, the, the call, the, the battle cry for, for all failed projects. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a couple of minutes. Um, let's see, really good stories. You, sir, in the green, you, sir, in the yellow. Whoever had the 8,000 tables, um, I'm going to start off with, okay, 8,000 tables gets a book. Who is that? 8,000 store procedures, rather. You had the 8,000 store procedures? Please come and get your free book from A-Press. Thank you, A-Press. Um, let's see. I'm trying to, ah! I'm trying to remember who else. I should have been doing this all along. There you go. Like documentation. Like documentation, yeah, writing things down. Um, uh, if you'd like to come up and grab something, if you'd like to come up and grab something, um, I was at one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. All right. Who else, who else told me a story? I'm sorry. Next time I'll write it down. Here you go. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, absolutely. Finish comments. And we're ending early, and I, I totally did that on purpose so that you guys could have extra time. What's that? Code. Yeah, well, it's what they give us. But yeah, it's any book in their library. So, all right. Well, any any other questions or any other thing you'd like to share? And if not, we'll go ahead and cut cut this off. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you coming out and, and hanging out with me. And enjoy the rest of the conference if you're staying. Yeah. The courses. I, I hear.